0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. College football week one is upon us. We've got some great games this week. Florida traveling to Utah. South Carolina North Carolina bringing their rivalry back. LSU and Florida State. And then Clemson and Duke, the Labor Day Monday night game. Head over to BetOnline Sportsbook today and use our promo code BLEAV. to get a fifty percent welcome bonus when you use the link in the description to this episode, bet online where the game starts. Good. on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of these podcast things. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. Welcome, everybody. We've got a fantabulous show coming at you today. Our friend Juju Talk Sports is back on the show. You guys have heard Juju a lot recently on this show because he and I do a YouTube channel together. It's called the Slump Buster Podcast. It is available with the link in the description of this episode. So if you want to see our beautiful faces talking about... Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers and why I personally think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win 10 to 11 games this year. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers over under is nine and a half. I would bet the over on the Pittsburgh Steelers, which goes contrarian to Bill Barnwell's story every year talking about how teams that will improve or teams that will decrease their win totals from the year prior. He believes that the Pittsburgh Steelers are almost a near lock to decrease the their win total year over year, which uh, goes contrary to what I believe. Why do I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be so good? We're going to chat with our friend Juju about that very topic here on today's show. And also, we are going to talk about Mac Jones and the New England Patriots, a team that has been incredibly fascinating over the last few years. And uh, we talk about Bill Belichick and where things stand with him and uh, just kind of a, a broad evaluation of the last three years of the New England Patriots and then a focus on what this year is going to be like for the Patriots which ultimately the the conclusion Juju and I land on starts with just don't finish in last place that's kind of the goal for the Patriots this year and how they're going to get there could be a lot of different ways and uh, we're going to converse about that here on today's show I'm not going to delay the proceedings any further. Let's converse with our friend Juju Talk Sports here on the Take It Easy podcast. It's Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots season previews, question mark, here on today's show. ...that didn't have a touchdown, which was frustrating for someone who had him on his fantasy team, but also he put up like 800 yards. He's a former Pro Bowl receiver, and now he's their wide receiver, too. They brought in Allen Robinson as a wide receiver three. And obviously they still have Najee Harris, who is, and again, this is just from physical body type. Najee Harris physical body type is the most talented running back other since Saquon Barkley to enter the NFL in terms of his physical body type. He is an, he is like Derrick Henry Jr. In terms of how physically strong Najee Harris is. And so on the offensive side of the ball, They've been bottom 10 in the league each of the last four seasons. And I believe that this season, you're going to see the Pittsburgh Steelers develop in a way that is going to potentially lead to them winning the division.
1: Well, we know that they still have some good players on their defense. Uh, They finally moved off Devin Bush. He's now in Seattle. But Cam Hayward's there. TJ Watt there. All pro. Minka Fitzpatrick. We've seen him be very good in the past. Uh, Was a little bit hit or miss last year. And then they just drafted Joey Porter Jr. Right? Hell, even Alex Highsmith was a good player for them in their linebacking core. Hey, if you have a good defense, you're going to win a couple dog fights, which I think the Steelers are going to find themselves in a lot of. I don't expect them to have a lights out electric offense this season, especially because I still have questions about their coordinator, Matt Canada. Like I didn't like the play call in the last couple years for the Steelers. Hell, Ben Roethlisberger really didn't like the play calling in his last year. Regardless of what you think about Ben Roethlisberger and certainly in his final years, I do think that he was limited at times by the play calling of one Matt Canada. And I even saw that last year with rookie Kenny Pickett, where it just seemed like they just were resistant to let them let them cook when they needed to. I, I just felt like Matt Canada just kind of runs a boring offense. So that kind of concerns me. That's the one thing that kind of limits how good I think this team really can be. Again, we're just putting a lot of faith on Mike Tomlin because of what he's been able to do over this stretch, this run he's had. But what's it going to take to finally get the Steelers back into contender mode? You know, I'm looking at their win-loss totals in Vegas, right? Eight and a half is what the line is set at. So let's go through the schedule a little bit together. So you mentioned week one, they come out against San Francisco. Is that a winnable game? It's week one. And every team in the NFL believes in week one, they have a chance to be the Super Bowl champion. So I believe the 49ers are going to get their best. I think that this game is going to be a lot closer than people really think it's going to be. Because when you have a quarterback, certainly like Brock Purdy, who's not a made man at this point, coming off injury, going against that Steelers defense that I mentioned has some dudes. I think that that's going to be a fight. And they play the Browns. We know they've had onage over the Browns for quite some time, sans that playoff game. The Raiders, they go into Las Vegas go against the Houston Texans. So they have a little bit of a softer part of their schedule. And then you have the Ravens in week five. So those first three games, or those first five games, two division opponents, two winnable games, and then a team that's considered a Super Bowl contender in the 49ers. How do you like them in that early season stretch to at least get off on the right foot?
0: So the thing I always look for when doing the schedule predictions and like trying to predict record going forward in the season, I'll always do, what are the games that they'll be either a seven point favorite or a seven point underdog. And of this group, the only game that I point at and say, this will definitely be seven point favorite or underdog is them home against the 49ers. The first game of the season, they will be underdogs, but I would assume more than seven points. Other than that, they're favored in three of those games. Maybe they're a seven point favorite on the road against the Texans, but, I just think all of these games are coin tosses and if we keep going down through the schedule i mean there's a lot of coin toss games in here for them uh and and they have very a few games i can point too. to on the schedule
1: they have a fairly early buy because yeah. after that five games they have a they have a week six bye and then they just they're just going the rest of the season
0: and they are in a unique position because they play one against the nfc west which is a division that is uh very, very hit or miss, we would say. like We assume they can beat the Cardinals and the Rams going into this season. The other side of the coin is that they play against the AFC South, which we also know is a pretty crappy division. So if they can take care of business in those games, they could get to that 9-10 win threshold. And the Steelers are the kings of the tiebreakers the last few years. So if the tiebreakers break their way, they'll find their way into the playoffs and just maybe find their way to the top of that division. And the thing that was so unique about them last year and i think this is going to be the key to this year. As much as we we'll, we want to talk about Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris and the revamped offense that they have is the last 7 games of the season last year they did not allow 20 points in a single game to any of their opponents. The in the last 7 games of the season it was 17 points, 16 points, 16, 16 10 13 14 when they played against good o- now there's a question to be had about the offense as they were playing they were playing against Two games against Tyler Huntley, the Colts of Jeff Saturday, the Falcons and the <laughs> Carolina Panthers. And uh, the I believe that was the Jarrett Stidham Raiders, too. So, you yeah. know, not the best offenses, but at the same time, holding them to under 20 points.
1: You do have to give them some love, too, that they were able to maintain, as you mentioned, those defensive performances where TJ Watt missed a lot of time last year. He did suffer an injury. That's probably why he missed out on being potentially defensive player of the year again a year ago. Um, then Minka Fitzpatrick, like I mentioned last year was a little bit of hit or miss for him. Believe he was dealing with some injuries and was banged up as well. And the, the whole Devin Bush thing, unfortunately, just, I, I can write off a lot of stuff with Devin Bush to the injury. I thought he was going to be one of the greats at linebacker, but when he suffered that it, it just, his entire career just went downhill fast. So I, I think now with this revamping, this retooling they've done on defense, they might actually be even better health permitting, and we'll see how Joey Porter Jr. does, right? Obviously a legacy drafting by them. But if you improve that secondary with a guy like he's advertised as, I think they'll be a lot better. Patrick Peterson is actually on this team, too.
0: Yeah, I saw the ghost that. Of Patrick him and Peterson. Uh, yeah, him and uh, Keanu Neal came over, I think, this last year. So they got a couple of pieces on that defense. And let us not forget, it's one of my favorite stats in the NFL that over the last four seasons, Mike Tomlin has gone 38, 27 and one. With this as his quarterback rotation. Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, Josh Dobbs. Two years of the worst Big Ben we've ever seen, where he was just totally broken. I called him Jimmy Garothlisberger. So it's Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, Josh Dobbs, Mason Rudolph again, Jimmy burger Mitch Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett. With that as his quarterback rotation, they have gone 38. 27 and one. So Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. And that will be the boost that basically keeps him in every game. Because like I said, we went through the schedule a little bit. If you go through that whole schedule, I could find maybe like one game that they're like super, super underdogs in. And outside of that, it's a lot of games that feel like they're going to be either plus three or minus three the whole way. And in those games that are one score or, you know, evenly matched teams. I give, uh, give Mike Tomlin some, some credit for being able to coach them through those, those small margin
1: games in the NFL. You know, what's gonna be another difference maker here is the fact that they match up so well with the teams in their division. I don't care what talent they're going against, whether it be Lamar, Joe burrow or Deshaun, they seem to have a formula for neutralizing the quarterback play of their uh, division opponents because they were in some close games with cincinnati last year they've been in some close games with baltimore with lamar under center and cleveland again i mentioned it ownage is ownage they've been owning cleveland for a while again aside from that one playoff game it's been mostly all pittsburgh you win games in your division, like if hell, even if they go three and three, I think they might be a playoff team with that. Yeah, because what do you think their record's going to be against the AFC South? Would you guess
0: they play all four teams in the AFC South? What would you guess that their record's going to be?
1: Obviously, I see them beating the Texans, uh, Colts. I see them beating the Colts this year with the disarray they currently are under. Rookie quarterback, certainly, Titans. That one's kind of a coin flip game for me, two and two at the very least. Two does, and two, does it help? Them. Does it help that the Titans game is in Pittsburgh? It does. If I flip that to three and one against that division, then and they go three and three in their own division, right? Then they are suddenly six and four on that stretch of their schedule alone. Let's give them two wins against the NFC West with the Rams and Cardinals, and then the their, and so that at, at that point there. they would be.
0: It would be eight and six, and then they would play the
1: Raiders, the Patriots, and the Packers. And I could see them beating the Raiders this year. That's nine wins. The Patriots, they win that one. They're a 10-win team. And you said the Packers, and they could beat the Packers. So that might be 11 wins right there. If they get to 11
0: wins, that might be enough to win that division. With Cincinnati and Baltimore, that just might be enough to
1: win that division. Or and at the very teams, least, they're in the playoffs. And those teams are going to beat up on each other too. And those teams obviously have the have to deal with a tougher schedule than the Steelers do this season.
0: Yeah, a first place schedule for the Cincinnati Bengals, a first place, uh, not a first place schedule, the, the Baltimore Ravens are going to end up playing about, you know, 14 of the teams are obviously the same, but you know, the, the Baltimore Ravens finished second place in that division last year. So they're going to play Miami. They're going to play, if I remember off the top of my head, second place the chargers, they're going to play the chargers this year. That's slightly more difficult games. I mean, if Pittsburgh's in that 10 11 range, I think you and I are on the same page. We're both betting the over on that eight and a half wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And As we're talking it through, that doesn't even necessarily mean we need
1: a big breakthrough for Kenny Pickett. Although I do see it coming. I do think that he is going to be better than he was last season. There's just a poise, and I kind of am starting to buy the hype that these veterans are putting down on him. Yeah, Pittsburgh has all sorts of different ways
0: that they can win. We've seen that Mike Tomlin has, over the years, adapted in a way that other teams, depending on the personnel that he has, they were a defensive team that won the Super Bowl back in 2009. And then they moved to uh, a team that was built around big Ben and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And I think they were the second highest scoring offense in the NFL that year. And then they pivoted the last few, I mean, obviously they haven't had the top of the top level success. They haven't won a playoff game yet, but they've been An above 500 team every year, despite the fact that they've had again Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, Josh Dobbs, Jimmy Garoff, Mason Rudolph again, Mitch Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett as their quarterbacks. So, despite that fact, they've pivoted to a defensive first team, personnel has changed, and they've been able to adapt and always find a way to win eight or nine
1: games. All right, guys. Well, what do you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their chance to win the AFC North this season? We'd like to hear that below leave a like on the video subscribe to the channel follow us on all our social medias from Juju and Kyle stay safe happy and healthy we will see you next time under center and Cleveland, again, I mentioned it, ownage is ownage. They've been owning Cleveland for a while. Again, aside from that one playoff game, it's been mostly all Pittsburgh. You win games in your division. Like, if, even if they go 3-3, and I think they might be a playoff team with that. Yeah, because what do you think their record's going to be against
0: the AFC South, would you guess? They play all four teams in the AFC South. What would you guess that their record's going to be?
1: Obviously, I see them beating the Texans. Uh, Colts, I see them beating the Colts this year with the disarray they currently are under rookie quarterbacks certainly Titans that one's kind of a coin flip game for me two and two at the very least two does, and two, does it help me. does it help that the Titans game is in Pittsburgh it does if I flip that to three and one against that division then and they go three and three in their own division right then they are suddenly six and four on that stretch of their schedule alone Let's give them two wins against the NFC West with the Rams and Cardinals. And then the, they're so that at, at that point there. they would be they would be 8 and 6 and then they they would play the Raiders, the Patriots and the Packers. And I could see them beating the Raiders this year. That's 9 wins. The Patriots, they win that one. They're a 10-win team. And you said the Packers, and they could beat the Packers. Yes. So that might be 11 wins right there.
0: If they get to 11 wins, that might be enough to win that division. With Cincinnati and Baltimore, that just might be enough to win that division. Or and at the very teams, least,
1: they're in the playoffs. And those teams are going to beat up on each other, too. And those teams obviously have the have to deal with a tougher schedule than the Steelers do this season. Yeah,
0: a first place schedule for the Cincinnati Bengals, a first place, uh, not a first place schedule, the, the Baltimore Ravens are going to end up playing about, you know, 14 of the teams are obviously the same, but you know, the the Baltimore Ravens finished second place in that division last year. So they're going to play Miami. They're going to play, if I remember off the top of my head, second place the Chargers, they're going to play the Chargers this year. That's slightly more difficult games. I mean, if Pittsburgh's in that 10, 11 range, I think you and I are on the same page. We're both betting the over on that eight and a half wins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And As we're talking it through, that doesn't even
1: necessarily mean we need a big breakthrough for Kenny Pickett. Although I do see it coming. I do think that he is going to be better than he was last season. There's just a poise, and I kind of am starting to buy the hype that these veterans are putting down on him. Yeah, Pittsburgh has all
0: sorts of different ways that they can win. We've seen that Mike Tomlin has, over the years, adapted in a way that other teams, depending on the personnel that he has, they were a defensive team that won the Super Bowl back in 2009. And then they moved to uh, a team that was built around big Ben and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And I think they were the second highest scoring offense in the NFL that year. And then they pivoted the last few, I mean, obviously they haven't had the top of the top level success. They haven't won a playoff game yet, but they've been an above 500 team every year, despite the fact that they've had, again, Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, Josh Dobbs, Jimmy Burger, Mason Rudolph, again, Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett as their quarterbacks. So despite that fact, they've pivoted to a defensive first team, personnel has changed and they've been able to adapt and always find a way to win eight or nine games.
1: All right, guys. Well, what do you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their chance to win the AFC North this season? We'd like to hear that below. Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all our social medias. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time.
0: ...advantage on defense, despite the fact that they have had... Less talented players over the past few years, Bill Belichick has found a way with all three seasons now post Tom Brady with the one year of Cam Newton, the rookie year of Mac Jones and the year they didn't have an offensive coordinator <laughs> just straight up didn't have an offensive coordinator. uh in those three seasons, they have had no offense that's finished better than 20th in the league in scoring. they've had no offense that has finished better than 20th in the league and they have still found a way to, make the playoffs one time as a wild card and finish with a 25 and 25 record over those three seasons, despite the fact they haven't had a top 20 offense in the post Tom Brady era. So if I'm the New England Patriots, the goal going into this season is don't be last in the division, because if they're not last in the division, they're going to be in that mix of teams that are battling it out for the wild card position.
1: Well, if the Patriots aren't last in this division, then who? Because this division it's tough man like you look at the bills and we talked last week about the most likely to go wor- or first to worst we've talked about the most likely to go worst to first and I'm looking at that AFC East it's odd for the Patriots just to kind of be firmly in the middle like they've been the last couple of years middle to upper middle class basically in that division like you mentioned gain into the wild card round like they have only to get smoked by the bills like they did a couple years ago but the Dolphins, I mean, I look at them, at least if two is healthy and upright, that offense is still going to run. Their defense was a mess last year. Maybe that they make some sort of improvements this year. But if that Dolphins defense is better off, I know Jalen Ramsey got hurt. Uh, Vic Fangio, we'll see what he brings to that coaching room. You look at the Bills, what they have just in general, which is the biggest X factor, the best quarterback in that division with Josh Allen and the Jets, I mean, Every day, it seems like they're doing something new to kind of build that team out further. Uh, Delvin Cook just signing there. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is the big acquisition in the offseason. But you add in Delvin Cook, if they can make this Baftiari trade happen. I know the Packers are resisting it as much as they can. Uh, they still bring an elite level defense. It's like, where is the Patriots' biggest strengths? It's mostly, as you mentioned, Bill Belichick. But when, when I think about Belichick, it's weird. Like, do you give him credit for the Patriots being able to tread water like they have? When at the same time as GM, he's also been hurting this team actively. He's also been making the decisions to not hire an offensive coordinator. It's like, where is that balance of like giving credit to Bill Belichick? Because they're only as good as they are because of Bill, but they're only as bad as they are also because of Bill's decisions as well. So I'm like, I'm torn on it. Obviously, he's still like a top five coach in the NFL. That's unquestionable. But the fact that I also have to factor him in as a general manager, hurts his credibility right now at this point in 2023 if this was 2019 or any of the 2010s or anywhere in the 2000s different story but 2023 bill belichick he's actively hurt the team by some of these just asinine decisions honestly
0: I think you kind of hit the nail on the head of where it falls because you're talking about at least still a top five coach. And we've seen how with less talented players, they've still produced top five and ten defenses in the league. And then on the flip side, they've had terrible offenses, terrible personnel decisions on the offensive side of the ball, not just obviously the jokes about, you know, bringing in uh matt patricia and joe judge as offensive coordinators last season but additionally they have not brought in a wide receiver one of any quality over the past few years they made a trade for a, i believe it was a fourth round pick for Devonte parker that hasn't worked out uh, they tried to bring in Nelson Aguilar that didn't work out they they have tried time and time again to figure they tried it with Jacoby Myers and Jacoby Myers just couldn't find the end zone at the end of the day they have a quarterback with a limited ceiling I, I gotta be honest I don't even think they believe in Mac Jones as their long term option at the quarterback position settling on Mac Jones as your quarterback to replace Tom Brady I mean I know Cam Newton replaced Tom Brady but like settling on Mac Jones as the ideal long term replacement for Tom Brady I think was selling yourself short and and for all the talent that they've lost on the offensive side of the ball for all the missed draft picks for all the reaching on Mac Jones or reaching on Cole Strange in the first round or whiffing on wide receivers or or still having Kendrick Bourne be your number two receiver going into the season for all the misses that they've had in trying to build on the offensive side of the ball they have equally had as much success uh, signing players on the defensive side of the ball with Matthew Judon and, and the development he's had finding players in the margins. By the way, JC Jackson was the player I was forgetting earlier. <laughs> Shout out to JC Jackson with the Chargers. So they, they went from Gilmore winning defensive player of the year to JC Jackson to Jonathan Jones. And now Jonathan Jones is gone. So I presume there'll be another person who slides in for the Patriots at this point. So equally as much as they've missed on the offensive side of the ball. And by the way, I just said a few names there that doesn't even include Hunter Henry, who they gave a big t- contract to, that flopped. Jonu Smith, they gave a big contract to, that flopped. Kendrick Bourne has worked out all right, but they paid him a, a more money than Kendrick Bourne has been worth. Uh, Jacoby Myers didn't work out. Devontae Parker didn't work out. Nelson Aguilar didn't work out. They're now trying it with Mike Geseki and Juju Smith Schuster on the offensive side of the ball. Like for all the flops they've had in trying to build an offense around Mac Jones, they have had equally as much success on defense, and as
1: a result, they've been. 500 for three seasons. You you know, uh, going back to the offensive coordinator point, because you mentioned they did add a lot of pieces there and did those players flop because they were bad players or did they flop because the system wasn't conducive to them succeeding? I would say this, if I gave like a Wagyu prime cut of meat to like a short order cook would they produce the same as like a five-star chef we can agree that's probably not going to happen and when i look at what you had with matt patricia again it's like i I have like a guy who should be like serving french fries trying to make me a five-star meal that's essentially what i tried to do with the offense last year in new england uh so i'm looking forward to this year and like what bill o'brien can actually do and i know bill o'brien's not the most exciting play caller in the world But the guy knows offense, at least what he was able to do in Houston. And I've said for years, when you look at kind of the downfall of Houston as a whole, where they are at this point in their franchise, it all started, of course, with their decision to one, kind of give Bill O'Brien more power. But two, when they ultimately decided to fire him, it it led for a few rough years because Bill O, I'm not going to say he was like a lead head coach, but I think that he was certainly in the NFL upper class as far as coaches are concerned. And he was able to prop up that team, take them to the playoffs multiple years, more than I think other coaches would have been able to do. So him being in the OC role, if Mac Jones doesn't look like a competent quarterback this year, that's never going to happen. But I think the biggest thing that hurts Mac Jones more than anything is just being in the AFC. When you you are in the same conference as Mahomes and Allen and Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, you're just kind of doomed. You're just kind of like, f from the start when you're just compared to those guys on a year in year out basis if he would have landed i mean we just talked about shannon sharp's top 10 nfc quarterbacks list if he would have landed in the nfc he probably would be like middle of the pack right now and that would have been fine and certainly on a contender i think mac jones would have been able to do that and certainly if he was on a contending team that at least gave him an offensive coordinator i think mac jones would be fine but the fact that he's been in this afc that is so quarterback centric that he can't even break into the top 10 like seriously again if Uncle Shay Shay put out a top 10 for the AFC I mean it's a loaded top 10 breaking into that top 10 is no joke you're not going to see a Geno Smith in that top 10 you're certainly not gonna see a Jordan love in that top 10 when you talk about the AFC and how loaded it is so that all that stuff just works against Mac Jones ultimately like he's not necessarily a bad pro even though we've heard some temperament issues last year but I understand the guy being frustrated Who wouldn't be if he was given what he was given last year? It's justifiable that Mac Jones was upset last year at how things broke down in the offseason.
0: And the problem for Mac Jones is that he is physically limited. And so as a result, he can't overcome the fact that they have not giving him the support system he needs in order to perform at his best. Because you made the analogy to like giving a low-grade chef a Wagyu steak. They weren't giving the low-grade chef of Matt Patricia. They weren't giving him a Wagyu steak. They were giving him Janu Smith. OK, Janu Smith is not exactly what I would call a
1: steak. But I'm not talking about getting you uh, essentially the silicone base that Taco Bell serves to its customers.
0: No, that was Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar was the silicone base that Taco Bell serves to their customers. But they have not given them the proper support system. And that's been a problem. Uh, Bill Belichick can't draft wide receivers. It's just proven point. 20 years of sample size shows that Bill Belichick doesn't know how to draft receivers.
1: RIP Nikhil Harry.
0: Nikhil Harry. Uh, they gave up a second round pick for 10 games of Muhammad Sanu. Like they just, they don't know how to evaluate receivers. And that's fine that you don't know how to evaluate your receivers. They've built an incredible running game for years and years. And they've done it with interchangeable running backs and a strong offensive line. Bill Belichick's offensive philosophy, which is not his strong suit, he's a defensive genius, he's limited on the offensive side of the ball. His philosophy has always been build from the middle outward. That has always been Bill Belichick's philosophy. So even on the offensive side of the ball, he specializes on the middle. And has worked in some cases and it hasn't worked in others, especially because they chose a low ceiling quarterback whose best skill set was he doesn't make mistakes, right? That was the whole thing with Mac Jones coming out of the draft is he's a low ceiling quarterback, but he's he won't make as many mistakes. He's a smart quarterback. And then he got to the league and he's made a fuck ton of mistakes. Yeah. So that's the problem there. He He's had double digit interceptions in both of his first two seasons. He has the same completion percentage as Colts Matt Ryan and Jacoby Brissett and Teddy Bridgewater, despite the fact that people have said his best strength is his accuracy and his short field completion percentage. You chose a low ceiling quarterback who you hoped would complete passes at 72%, and he's completing passes at 65% and Uh, making a lot of interceptions.
1: Part of the problem too, and you mentioned it again when you mentioned all of the pieces that they've tried to surround him with as well. I, I think I saw this stat recently that the Patriots had the lowest yards of separation of any NFL team in the league, which basically just tells you guys aren't getting open. And that, if you're any NFL quarterback and your guys aren't getting open, yes, you can throw people open and that will fix a lot of mistakes. Like if you're prime Aaron Rodgers, you're throwing guys open. But at the end of the day, you just need someone to be able to run a route that's going to burn some people. And when I look at the offseason and some, a move that they could have made, DeAndre Hopkins signing in Tennessee is going to be one of those moves of the offseason that's going to be very disappointing for them if they don't have the season that they were hoping they were going to have. I'm not saying DeAndre Hopkins would have been the difference between them being a Super Bowl contender or them being out of the playoffs. But if you're Mac Jones and you're trying to make this the best year you can, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins would have been very helpful for a third year Mac Jones. And Juju is going to be fine for them adding Juju Smith-Schuster to this mix will be a good addition, but I think they needed one more guy and DeAndre could have been that.
0: I have a fun quiz question for you that also kind of brings in the point of why it's been so baffling what's happened with the Patriots offense. And maybe this is a Matt Patricia thing in the two seasons, 2020 and 2021. Do you know which NFL receiver had the best completion percentage on contested catches? Contested catches, best completion percentage.
1: Would it be someone shocking like Devontae Parker?
0: Exactly right. It was Devontae Parker on the Dolphins. Now, his problem was he didn't play a lot of games, but he had a thousand yard season. And then the Dolphins pivoted to Terry Kill and a new offensive scheme with McDaniel. And he kind of just got lost in the shuffle. But Devontae Parker is great at contested catches. The problem was for some reason last year he had 31 catches for 500 yards and three total touchdowns. Like it just didn't make sense that the philosophy
1: was right. It just does. It just doesn't work. Here's the thing. Like when you think about the best offensive minds in the league, like Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, right? One thing they do is they will get guys open, even not the fastest guys. Jawan Jennings, he runs a 4-7, and when he came out of Tennessee, everyone was saying, "How was this guy going to get open?" Guess what? In Kyle Shanahan's system. Jawan Jennings, third and Jawan, he's always open. When you have a guy that doesn't understand schematics, how is he going to be able to coach guys to manage to get open past the sticks and get some of those contests off of him? I, I think that's what's led into it. Again, talking about what issues having Matt Patricia as your OC can bring you. I think that, again, they're just not doing Mac Jones or any of the receivers actually any favors either. I think just as much as we talk about Mac Jones, this being his problem, it's a receiver's problem, too, because they're not giving them putting him in a spot to succeed. And again, that ultimately comes down on Belichick.
0: Absolutely. And this is where it's a combination of personnel and coaching, because even when it was Josh McDaniels, remember the, the season that got Josh McDaniels the head coaching job with the Raiders when he left the Patriots. Uh, They made the playoffs that year. They got smoked out the building by the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. uh, And then McDaniels left to take the job with the Raiders that season in Mac Jones's rookie year, which was the best of the three seasons post Tom Brady. They were 21st in the NFL in offensive DVOA. Like they were still outside of the top 20. They were bottom 12 in the league in offense, even that season. So even when it was McDaniels, it wasn't producing even league average results whether it was with Cam Newton or whether it was with uh, Mac Jones, it wasn't even producing league average results. And, and as a result of having top 10 defenses with Bill Belichick, they've, they've been able to continue to win about half as many games as they lose and overperform to the talent that they've put on the field.
1: When I think about this Patriots team moving forward, like I think they're in a better spot they were as a team than last year. But I also think that just the changing landscape around them with the division getting stronger, Is ultimately going to hurt them like like you're saying like they just can't finish last i just don't see a way that they don't right now unless one of these teams just out the gate tanks we talked about how hard the jets first run of the schedule is the jets might be their best case for a team falling below them in the division and even if they finish third you're hearing the grumblings of robert Kraft starting to become more and more unhappy Now, I don't know how you push a a landmark figure like Bill Belichick out of your building, but I think it might be closer than we think.
0: If 20 years of watching Patriots football has taught us anything, it is never underestimate the ability of the Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins and New York Jets to fuck it up. Okay, (laughs) like 20 years of data says just because they have expectations doesn't mean they won't fuck it up. If
1: every quarterback stays healthy in the division then I don't think the Patriots will not finish last. So I'll put it that way. If every quarterback in the division stays healthy, because if again, if you wrote me a scenario, Josh Allen got hurt, Tua got hurt. Okay, it is what it is. They is. They're destined for last place. But given the talent on the roster, and we've done all this talent evaluation in other videos, I just don't see it. Guys, what are your thoughts on this year's version of the New England Patriots? Do you think that Mac Jones will perform in his third year up to the expectation of his draft stock? We'd like to hear your thoughts. What role do you think that Bill Belichick has in hindering his development or helping his development? Maybe you disagree. We'd like to hear your thoughts in the comment section. Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all social medias. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time.